greetings, my friend. Welcome back to the Wayfarer Podcast. If you've noticed, I've been gone for a couple of weeks here. So greetings from quarantine. Just getting out today is my first official day out of COVID quarantine. And yes, uh, COVID made its way through my entire family. I'm glad to say that uh, our son-in-law Clayton and our grandson Milo both were asymptomatic, so they have dodged the bullet. But the rest of us uh, weren't so fortunate. And um, yeah, it's been an experience. So all good. Thank you uh, for those of you who have inquired and sent me emails and wondered if everything's okay. Yeah, you know, uh, like a lot of people, it was, uh, if you've heard people that have been through it, lots of uh, congestion and fatigue and just kind of feeling like you can't get your energy back. I'm still kind of there, but I am endeavoring to get back into the swing now that uh, the quarantine has ended and trying to get back to a semblance of normal. So we're going to begin that journey back to normal life and normal rhythms with a Wayfair weekend podcast. So thank you for joining me today back into the routine. Just a couple upcoming messages and there is all of a sudden now we're kind of back into the swing of things uh, with that as well. January 31st, I'll be in the Third Church Auditorium, 9.15 a.m. February 21 in the Third Church Auditorium. March 14th, get called up to the big leagues in the sanctuary, 8, 9, 15, and 11. And then I am actually been asked to do the Good Friday message on April 2nd. So that's what's coming up. I'll get those on the upcoming messages tab at tombanderwell.com so that you can check those against your calendar if you have any interest in that. And as always, we'll try and make sure we update the messages page at tombanderwell.com with audio or video as it is available. All right, so this week I'm going to try and ease my way in and what are we going to talk about? But I'd like to talk about the way of discipleship. And for those who may be unfamiliar with the term, it may seem kind of daunting or ancient or weird, but the word disciple simply means a learned follower. And the idea of discipleship is in the ancient times, and this goes back, this isn't just a religious thing, this goes back to the philosophers in Greece the when you you had a master teacher who was a philosopher or in the hebrew term it would be a rabbi um this every learned teacher every teacher would have his own group of disciples who would follow and it really was like following following in the footsteps following and listening and watching and learning the whole time. And so being a disciple was more than just saying, hey, that guy's, you know, pretty good teacher. It was more like, no, I am going to follow this person. I'm going to walk in his footsteps. I am going to listen to what he or she has to say. I am going to 
um, try and absorb this into my life and then live my life in accordance with what he or she taught. So that was the idea of being a disciple. So it's sort of like, you know how social media makes it so easy. We can just kind of click a like and say, yes, I like Taylor Swift. And so all of a sudden now I am in the millions of people who have liked Taylor Swift. And I'm, you know, so if she publishes something on her social media, then it comes into my feed. And it's really, really easy to just like somebody or like something and to be counted among those who just sort of have this affinity. It's something very different to be a disciple to say, no, I'm going to invest something of my own into this. And so when Jesus was on earth and he was teaching, one of the really interesting things is that he, there were times where he didn't accept everyone who wanted to follow him. In fact, in the gospel of Luke, there's uh, a chapter in which he very specifically talks about three different people whom Jesus just said, no, <laughs> you say you want to follow me, but you really don't. And he sort of makes this differentiation. One guy says, hey, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus' response was, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And what he was really saying is, look, I, we rough it. I have no place to call home. We live out under the stars. We camp out. We rough it, It, which was kind of Jesus' way. He was dependent on people who would charitably give him a place to stay. And if there was no one, he and the disciples were camping out. And so it was sort of like, look, you say you want to follow me, but if you really want to follow me, there's going to be some discomfort involved. Another guy said, hey, I want to follow you, but first, you know, my dad's kind of sick and he's in assisted living and I don't think he's got very long. The doctors say, you know, it could be weeks or months. So as soon as he's gone, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus' response to him was, look, let the dead bury their own dead. If you want to follow me, then follow me. And it was sort of like a, what we would call a come to Jesus moment where it's like, no, fish or cut bait, dude. If you're going to follow me, then follow me. And so there was this distinction that Jesus had between those who would like click on the like, hey, he has a few things good to say that I like, and those who would be his disciples his learned followers, those who really wanted to walk in his footsteps and wanted to hear what he had to say and apply it to their lives, listen to his teaching, and to do them. So one of the popular things that Jesus said that gets quoted all the time over and over and over again is, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that has been quoted and misquoted countless times. And everybody remembers that because it's a really great phrase. It's a great, easily remembered teaching. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
But what most people don't realize is that there was a statement before that. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free is on the back end of an if-then statement. Jesus said, you are truly my disciples, my learned followers, my, not just my popularity, social media-like followers. You are truly my tribe, my people, if you do what I tell you to do. If you fashion your lives after my teaching, then, and there's there's the then, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So knowing the truth only comes when one really goes through the experience of trying to fashion my life after Jesus' teaching of love. You don't know the truth until you walk the walk and do what he says. So that's the idea of discipleship. It's kind of that I don't want to just have a piece of paper that says I'm a member of a church. I don't want to just click like on the teachings of Jesus. I want to walk in his footsteps. And that's a good way to put it. So if you want to walk in his footsteps, there are four essentials to being a follower of Jesus that I have learned and discovered over 40 years of being a follower and trying to follow in his footsteps and be a true disciple. Four things. And I want you to think of this as uh, there are two things that are vertical, up and down, between me and God. And there are two things that are horizontal, and that is between me and other people in my life. Okay, And in both cases, the vertical and the horizontal are relational. So when Jesus was asked, what are the most important commandments? And they were trying to trick him, by the way. But they said, hey, what's the most important commandments? And then whatever he would say, they were going to try and argue with him. And he said, there's really only two. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And two, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the loving God part is the vertical. It's being in a relationship with Jesus. That's the vertical up and down, between me and God. The horizontal is the loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the horizontal. That's the interpersonal relationship with people that I have right here on this earth. So there are two verticals and there are two horizontals. When you think about being a disciple, when you think about being a real follower, the vertical Begins, number one, if I'm in this relationship with God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then it's a two-way street. 
It's what is God instilling in me, what Jesus is saying and getting into me, to my mind, my heart, to my life. And it is me pouring out my heart and life to God. So let's break that down. So number one, God speaking into me. Well, that's simple. That's learning the teachings of Jesus. That's learning the great story. It's digging in, which can take a lot of different forms. You know, people try and put it into all sorts of different boxes, but it can be very different. And there are a million different ways it can happen. People, the, the, my friend, the, the reason that I do my chapter a day is because that's part of the discipline that I've created. Again, discipline, disciple, notice the similarity there. The discipline of just constantly being in the great story. So one chapter every weekday. It's really about me opening my heart, my mind, my spirit to a constant flow of what God has to say simply by reading one chapter of the great story every weekday. And how hard is that? I, a chapter can take maybe, even, even long ones can take three, four, five minutes to read. And then I take some time to think about it, to ponder it, to meditate on it. And so the idea for me is simply trying to continually be in the flow of letting Jesus' words, letting the great story, letting the teachings that are there constantly flow into my head, into my heart, and in my life. That's what chapter day is really all about. A little bit every weekday. It can be, I just let my last Wayfarer weekend podcast was about one word. So taking one word and focusing on that for an entire year, digging into it, saying, okay, my one word this year is enough. So I go in and look at every time in the great story, the word enough is used. I dig in a little bit. I'm in what context, what did it mean? What is it? What does it mean to have enough? Because it can be both positive and negative as I've been meditating on it. Enough can mean, look, enough of this, stop it. <laughs> or it can mean, uh, no, Tom, why do you keep you know, looking for what God has done is enough? There are just so many different ways that I can take it. And so as I dig in, that's a different way of just trying to let God speak into my heart by studying one word. It could be podcasts like the Wayfair podcast. It could be messages that you listen to. It's so easy. It's all available. It's all out there. It, it's as, Some people do try and read the entire Bible in a year and challenge themselves to do that. I've done that before. That's awesome. There are different ways to do it. Another great way to try if you know, reading the entire Bible in one year is a daunting task. Try this. Take one of the short letters in the New Testament, like James is a great one. And I did this actually with the book of James when I was a young man. And read that one book 
five chapters. Read that one book every day for 30 days. And what you will find is as you read it over and over and over and over again, you find more and more and more and more discoveries. That's a possibility. But the idea, again, of being a disciple, a learned follower, is making sure that there is some kind of continuous flow in which God and God's word can speak into me. I am opening my mind and my heart to what God has to say. So that's half of the vertical, God speaking to me. Okay, through the through the great story, through podcasts, through messages, lots of different ways that can happen. But the second half of the vertical is me expressing myself to God. Now, the classic form of that in the religious sense would be prayer. But what I have learned as a disciple, as I have learned as a follower of Jesus, that what we sometimes put in what we call the box of prayer, oh, well, it has to look this way and it has to be this. And there are certain prayers that you pray. So the, the Lord's Prayer obviously is a famous one. And many of us were taught to pray the now I lay me down to sleep prayer, which by the way, we have just had so much fun, even though we've been in quarantine and been stuck in the same house with our kids and our grandson, we've been trying to really, really enjoy that. And it's been fun to be with our grandson, Milo, three years old. And Milo loves to pray at the beginning of meals. And we discovered this very early on in their visit. But now when we sit down to a meal, Milo is usually the one to say, hey, we need to pray. And so, <laughs> okay, all right, Milo, we need to pray. So he wants to hold hands. And what do you do with kids? You teach them, you know, you teach them something that's easy to remember. So the one of the classic ones is God is great. God is good, and we thank him for our food. Well, when Milo prays, it comes out, God is grape. And I'm like, okay, well, grape, vine, wine. This is my blood shed for you. This communion. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. You bear fruit, which is the fruit of the vine, which is grape. So God is grape. Yeah. There's all sorts of metaphorical meaning there. But he'll say, God is grape, and God is good. And we thank him for our food, and then we all say amen. And sometimes, right in the middle of the meal, you know, we will have prayed, and then he's like, oh, no, 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 we need to pray again. And so we'll hold hands again, and we'll go through the whole ritual again, which is just really sweet. But that's how we learn as children, and there are certain religious ritual to it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it can be a very, very good thing. But the notion of prayer is really, when you think about the way of a disciple, it is a two-way conversation, and prayer is my conversation back to God. And that can take a million different forms. It can be an ongoing, never-ending flow of conversation. If I am mindful of God's presence every moment of my life, then as I am riding in the car, I might have a conversation with God. As I'm walking into the post office to check uh, Intelligentix mail, I 
to be having a conversation with God about the fact that we need some, you know, invoices paid. Uh, As I am going to the store, I could be having a conversation with God about, as I see people with masks on and I'm asking about the COVID and then we are having this quiet conversation with God. It is being mindful, having a conversation. Prayer is simply just me having an ongoing conversation and it can happen wordlessly in my brain and in my heart. One of the most effective ways that I have found to have an ongoing conversation with God is is journaling. So in the morning I get up and I pull up my pen and my journal and I write down and inevitably I am writing a letter to God. It's not that I set out to do that, but that's kind of what happens is all of a sudden I find myself just writing to God and getting it out on the paper. That's a form of conversation. Popcorn prayers. I, I blogged about that, that I just throw it out. Having, being in the car, driving, an hour to Des Moines to a meeting or a client meeting. I'm sitting in the car. I can have a conversation with God. There are, and there are times that I just imagine Jesus sitting in the passenger seat and I just talk. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. Sometimes I'm angry and frustrated, and sometimes I just need to get out some of my doubts and my frustrations. And sometimes I need to confess that, I haven't been doing so well. And sometimes I need to just say, look, I need something from you right now. (laughs) It is a conversation. So the vertical up and down, if I am a disciple, the way of a disciple is constantly having my mind and my heart open and choosing to allow God to speak into me. And it is me constantly being aware of God's presence and consciously choosing to have conversation with him. Now, when Jesus was on earth and he had his 12 disciples, and there were actually more than that, because beyond the 12 that Jesus chose, there were also uh, a larger group of 72 and then a larger group of a hundred and some, and a larger group of 500 and some. And so there were di- almost like these concentric circles of disciples and learned followers. So Jesus, when he was on earth, had these people that were literally following, being in conversation constantly with him. And discipleship is the way of discipleship being a follower of Jesus is really the same thing. It is a relationship. Okay? So that's the the vertical, the relationship between me and God. Love the Lord your God. It's my heart and mind being open to receiving what God has to say to me. It is me being consciously willing to express myself to him. Then there is the horizontal, which is the human equation of it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So part of that is just having human relationships that are spiritually good for me. Having relationships where I can have conversations about 
the important things of life. Not just the nuts and bolts, task lists, uh, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl type conversations, but conversations about what's really going on in my life and my relationships. Where am I at? What am I afraid of right now? What are the biggest challenges in my life? And that can be really daunting for some people who have never cultivated that kind of conversation and that kind of relationship. You know, I was really blessed. I really have been blessed my whole life to have relationships that were more than just casual, perfunctory, surface conversation type relationships. You know, my neighbor, Scott, lived down the street and Scott and I are still in relationship. Now, it doesn't look like it did when we were kids, but when I was three years old, I moved into the neighborhood, Scott was five, and we grew up together in the same neighborhood playing kick the can and freeze tag and (laughs) popping wheelies on our Schwinn Stingray bikes. And we would, in the evenings, as you know, we got older and into those preteen and early teen and teenage years, we would spend summer evenings hanging out, sitting on the retaining wall in our front yard, watching the cars go by. And by the way, we would always kind of, uh, you know, we would, as boys do, we would rate the car on a scale of 1 to 10. This was one of the things we did. All right, so that was a really cool car. So we would rate the car. And then if there was a female driver inside, we would rate the driver on a scale of 1 to 10, the things that boys do. But beyond that, <laughs> we also had lots of conversations about God, about family, about life. And I didn't appreciate until much later in life how that relationship was formational. And Scott and I ended up, spending up, uh, ended up spending a lot of time together. And to this day, we can reach out to one another. We can pick up the phone if we happen to see each other, which happens once uh, every few years. We can just kind of pick up the conversation right where we left off. That's the kind of relationships we're talking about. Where you can go deep if you need to go deep. You can deal with the shit that you're walking through relationally in your marriage or vocationally or the bad place that you seem to be right now from a mental perspective or a spiritual perspective. We all need people in our lives that we can have those kinds of conversations with. So on the horizontal, number one, we need those relationships. And what I have found through life is that there are many, many people who don't know how to do that, which is why I had Matthew on, you know, weeks ago and we talked about conversations with life. That's what he was getting into How do we get beyond the surface and start having real conversations with life? And when we develop this this vertical with God, we're having a conversation with Jesus who said, well, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We are having a conversation with life when we develop that spiritual uh, muscle, that spiritual discipline, that spiritual relationship. 
But we also need the flesh and blood people walking with us who care about us, who are willing to ask us questions that need to be answered, that are willing to listen when we just need to talk, who are willing to love and forgive and be gracious with us. So we need to develop that horizontal relationship, which means relationship with others that is intimate, deeper, um, that's more than just the surface of stuff. And then the, the second piece of the horizontal is what Jesus was talking about when he said, you are truly my disciples if you do what I say. So when I am out and about, the last piece of this four ways of the disciple is me consciously choosing to try and exemplify the one that I'm following. It is when I am getting on social media and I see posts that anger me or I get a response to one of my blog posts or something that is negative and antagonistic and angry. It is taking a moment to say, look, I am not going to respond as I might initially react, but I am going to heartfully, mindfully choose to respond in the way that the one I'm following, Jesus, would want me to do. So if I am to love my neighbor as myself, then I need my response to be kind and loving and gracious. And sometimes it might mean that I don't respond if I can't respond in that way. But it means that as I live my life, in every aspect, as I relate to my neighbors in my neighborhood, as I go to work and relate to my colleagues, as I work with clients, as I am with my family, as I am with my friends, in every aspect of my life, I am conscious of trying to act and speak and respond to people the way the one whom I'm following would exemplify. I remember years ago, there was a movement. Do you remember this? Yeah, the movement, the WWJD movement. People would wear these little wristbands with WWJD, which stood for What Would Jesus Do? And it goes back to this, this old book, called In His Steps, which is a great story, by the way, but it almost became cliche to the point of mocking. And yet at the heart of that is really what we're talking about. Because the, the fourth way of the disciple is simply trying to live and act and speak sincerely um, with the love and the grace, the forgiveness, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control that Jesus exemplified and asked of me.
So the four ways of the disciple, the vertical, finding ways to let God speak into me consciously and consciously choosing to express myself to God, however that, whatever that looks like, whether that's just (laughs) talking to him in the car or having a mindless, quiet, speechless conversation in my heart or journaling, whatever that is, letting him speak to me, whether that's doing the chapter a day podcast, you're just following along and reading the chapter, or it's listening to different podcasts or doing different things, finding ways. And then the horizontal, choosing into relationship, seeking out relationship that is more than just surface that is more than casual and meaningless. But choosing into real conversations with people that I can have those relationships with, that I know love me and I love them and we've developed an affinity and a respect for one another. Finding and seeking out and investing in those relationships and then living in such a way that I am constantly mindful that my words, my relationships, my actions follow the example of the one whom I have chosen to follow. So as you begin, again, we're in January 2021 as we get into this year. One of the things that I love about that very simple thing the vertical, the horizontal, my relationship and conversations with God, my relationship and conversations with people is it's a great litmus test for me that I can constantly be thinking about how am I doing in each of those areas while allowing God to speak to me, expressing myself to God. Am I having good conversations, depth conversations, intimate conversations with the people in my life? Am I in every area of my life, how am I doing at living out and being an example of Jesus' example to me? So as you think about those, then all of a sudden you kind of go, ah, you know, I probably need to work on this. That's where the litmus test comes in. I'm going, you know, I, for the last couple of weeks, have been sick with COVID and my routines have been blown up because I've been tired and I've been sick and I've had a three-year-old in my house and all of the routines and rhythms of life have gone out the window. And so as I get back into life, those four things allow me to say, all right, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to get back into the way of the disciple? What do I need to do to get back into the rim of listening and con- what I need to do to get back into the rhythm of listening and expressing, of getting back in connected with my, with my people and my community and making sure that I am being a good example to my employees, to my neighbors, to my clients. Yeah, it's a good way to just kind of take stock and then begin to make some action plans. So I hope that's helpful, my friend, as you think about your own life 
and your own direction. In the meantime, we'll be right here with our chapter a day journey. I'm going to get back into it tomorrow morning, hitting it again with the Psalms, get back into the rhythm. I would love to bless you as we finish up the day, and I would hope that you would receive it. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. May the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Have a great week, my friend. Thank you.